The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highechelloncpa.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highecheloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is elementalaltitude.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance's mission is to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and to find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by High Echelon PC, ITO Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Elemental Altitude Training Centers. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. 
My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a mom to three girls and a CPA. And my name's Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm the father to three baby adults and the husband to a beautiful <laughs> wife, Melissa. Awesome. Very good. Glad to be with y'all back once again. Strength work check-in. Michelle, you've been lifting or what? Are you still in, in professional couch mode? I think I'm almost at like 60 strength workouts for the year. So I, um, I do feel in trying to get back on. Um, I just don't know if I can do three strength workouts a week and get back to running like what I actually want to be running. So it could be mm. time to drop back to two. But, you know, I'm just kind of playing with it and trying to take it day by day. So when when you were getting ready for Silver Rush, were you doing three a week or two a week? I was doing three a week, but it was hell. I mean, it was like, you know, 60 miles a week, three strength workouts. And definitely in like the six weeks leading up to it, there were weeks where I would always get in the first two. And then I just like, I could not functionally complete the third. Hmm. Um, So there were some weeks where there would be two and some weeks where there'd be three. Like the Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing works. I won't go do strength work on the weekends, it feels like. Um, I don't know why. I just can't make myself go down there to do it is yeah, what I'm, is what I'm realizing. Work. Yeah. Um, I agree with that completely. Weekends are not for strength work. Yeah. Like <laughs> if I think Tuesday, Thursday, and then I'll get the third one in on Sunday. Not once have I done that. I don't think. The um, next time I do do any strength work on the weekends, I know what I will be naming the activity on Strava. Weekends whatever gets you to do strength work, work George. whatever works we're here no for it. I, I i agree with you on that like like there's something about it being saturday and sunday where i'm like i'm not going to the gym and 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 in fact those days would probably be some of the best days for me to go in terms of managing my time and working it into my life and that sort of thing and i don't want to go yeah eric we're nine days out from the blue ridge relay we're eight days out from all meeting and getting together how you feeling man you ready to roll no. <laughs> Will you be ready to roll in nine days? <laughs> yes. Right, yes. Good, good. Think, How's it going? Uh, Tell us how you're doing. You know, at this point, hay's in the barn as far as preparation from a physical standpoint. Um, I'm definitely excited about it from an emotional standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think my my big struggle right now and my the the thing I'm most concerned about, I think we actually share, and it's just the you know, my Achilles heel mm-hmm. pun Literally. intended. Yeah. Right. Pun intended. So, you know, I've, I've kind of, well, I've, I've way backed off on the running. I've picked up a lot more cycling. Um, I'm doing all sorts of other things to try to rehab mm-hmm. uh, my Achilles tendons um, mm-hmm. and make sure I'm ready. So if it comes down to, it, I just can't run for the next nine days, I can't run for the next nine days. And then my, the next day I run will be my first leg of the blue Ridge relay. That <laughs> That's really the only issue right now. Like equipment wise, I'm set hydration and fueling wise. I think I'm, I'm almost completely set. Like what I'm going to do. Um, it's just that, that nagging Achilles heel issue that I'm dealing sure. with. No, Why I get somebody it. Somebody like you guys have Achilles issues and somebody like me, I barely know where my Achilles is. Like, is it a form thing? Is it a gender <laughs> thing? Like what? It's people who put in a lot of miles. It's people who um, are uh, higher end athletes. And then especially when they get to be our age. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was going to submit that, that, Michelle, we're both 10 years older than you, almost 10 years older than you. Um, and so so I think that probably has something to do with it as well. What I'm saying is it feels like there is something that makes somebody prone to having an Achilles injury because the people that have, I don't, I've never known anyone to have trouble with their Achilles and just kind of like get over it forever. It is mm-hmm. like a recurring it comes up in every single cycle. They're always trying to mitigate it. And I'm, I'm not saying I don't have these other little issues, but I feel like for you guys, like you deal with this every single run. Well, th- thanks for that uplifting uh, uh, note there, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but if we there is go a... Back and... <laughs> no, but no, no, like but, Eric but, said, but if there no, is no, a and, and, and you make a good point. And, and certainly I have, I have tried over the course of the past decade here to find the secret to making it better and to getting over it and getting past it. And I, and I haven't found it. Um, um, and by all means, I won't keep it a secret if I do. But I've tried all sorts of things and I'm trying different things now. I'm trying new things that I haven't done before now in order to try and make it better. Um, but but I, I don't know that there's there's something about the way that we run or the amount of time that we've run or or our age or whatever it happens to be uh, necessarily that, that that makes us so much different from you. Um, it means that we have Achilles issues that you don't have. I think it's I think it's coincidence that Eric and I both have Achilles issues. Um, that two out of three people in here have them. Um, I don't think do that think... he and I have some sort of common trait that led to that. If that yeah. makes sense. So not like a form or a foot strike or something mm-hmm. that no. no. Okay, no. that's what that's kind of what I was just wondering originally. No. Now I think the tight calf thing is what's still causing me problems because uh, now I have a similar issue on my right Achilles, just the tight calf muscle has caused, um, irritation, inflammation on my right Achilles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I made a conscious decision about two years ago. I'm no longer stretching my calves in this because it, I felt like it was actually hurting my Achilles. Yeah. Know, it was, yeah. And I said, I'm going to do other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think rolling, I think, uh, dynamic stuff which it's really i think it's difficult to actually dynamically stretch your calves i've found it at least those are other uh ways of you know dealing with it and i and it's funny that i said that because george just recently messaged me i tried rolling my calves and wow bad what a idea oh oh no no it was, it was no, good it's phenomenal yeah. it, it yeah. really is it's that's yeah. one of the best but i i, I so, just hadn't done it i've done it before i just never done it regularly yeah. Um, and amidst all the other things I'm doing right now to try and make my Achilles feel good enough to do the Blue Ridge Relay and then the Berlin Marathon, I added that into the mix. And I was like, oh, that's doing something different from what all right. these other things are also doing. And so, yep, add it to the program. And so it's part of one of many, many things that I'm doing right now, trying to to hold it together here. Um, yeah, it's not great. It's funny, Michelle. I reached out to a friend of mine recently. Um, a friend of the podcast, as a matter of fact, Carrie Rucker Smith, um, who has been on twice on the podcast and, and basically said, you know, I've been a, a runner for 30 years now um, and I'm coming up on my 50th birthday next year. And I recognize that I cannot do the next 30 years the way that I'm done this 30 years or at least the last 10 years. Like something has to change if I'm going to actually carry on this sport into my golden years. Um, and so maybe my 50th 
birthday here is going to provide the turning point for me that will change my training in such a way that I will not be suffering with this the way that I do on virtually every run right now, but we'll see. I hope so, but we'll see. (laughs) And I don't know if you guys remember this, but as the buildup to silver rush 50 came on, I shifted away from cycling and I went to straight up running. And the reason was I wanted to get that, you know, on the feet, uh, weight bearing training in. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that really worked. What I didn't do is when I came off of silver rush 50, I didn't go back to that cycle of cycling. Hmm. And I think I'm paying for it now, Hmm. among other things. I think I'm paying for it because of that now, because years ago when we started doing Zwift, I realized, wow, I can put in a lot more volume, Hmm. not have the Achilles issues and still perform um, or even improve by adding the cycling in. And I, mm-hmm. I fell away from that. I made a mistake. And mm-hmm. so I'm paying for that. Right yeah. Now. It's, it's, it's like you made a temporary change, right? You ran more yep. ahead of this one big goal, which makes sense, which is good, which is what I've been doing over the course of the past six weeks. Right. right. Um, and what I will continue to do over the course of the next four weeks. Um, it's, it's, it's what I've been doing as well. But then you kind of forgot to wind it back down again. <laughs> right. <laughs> you forgot to cycle like back this, out uh, of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like training philosophy, right? You have to have yeah. the easy week, right? You know, if, if you, you can dig the well a little bit deeper, a little right. bit deeper for a right. period of time, but eventually, you know, it's you just kept on, you just kept on digging. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you think that you kept on digging like that? Maybe because, because the, the outcome of it wasn't the perfect outcome. If you were to cross the finish line of the Silver Rush 50 and you'd be like, yes, that was awesome. That was a 50 mile PR, this great iconic race. I've now completed it. Would you have been able to kind of unwind and let go and go back to cycling and that sort of thing? Possibly, because I would have done sort of a a post-mortem like recap and said, okay, what worked, what didn't work? And I might have clued into, oh, yeah, more time on feet really worked here, but Mm -hmm. I need to go back and bring in the cycling again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, possibly, Mm -hmm. possibly. Yeah. I think it's, I don't, it was I don't know the more answer. Though, I, I felt like, yeah, I think it was more. I felt like it worked, mm-hmm. like it worked for for Silver Rush Fifty. So let's make it keep working for yeah. Blue Ridge. Yeah. So I didn't really think of Silver Rush Fifty as a failure, but mm-hmm. then I, I think you're right. There wasn't like a closeout. Like, right. Oh, I right. finished. I got you know. I, I closed it out. It was like okay, we we'll just keep going. Right. So right. It's probably exactly. a, it's probably a factor. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it's not so much that, yeah, I think that's an important distinction. It's not so much that you failed. It's that you didn't close it right across the finish line. And, and, and so, so that I think in some ways did not prompt you to kind of cycle back out of what was supposed to be a temporary phase of, of not riding your bike as much, but instead putting more time on your feet. I think that's yep. interesting. Yeah. There's um, a bunch it, of little and, things. And important. Yeah. 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 There's a bunch of little things that also played into this. At work, I actually made a conscious decision to kind of like, uh, this sounds stupid, but to uh, uh, my work attire should more reflect where I want to go than where I am. So okay. I actually, okay. I've got like some new leather shoes that I've been wearing mm-hmm. and I have a pair of shoes that I usually wear in the office. Everybody makes fun of me because I'm like Mr. Rogers because I come to the office and then I change into my work shoes. Mm-hmm. But I made this conscious decision. Okay, I'm going to wear leather shoes. I'm going to you know, up my game, my dress game just a little bit. And I think it irritated the trash out of my <laughs> Achilles. Um, but little things like that 
add up to someone who already has a predisposition yeah. to this injury. Wild. Yeah. And then when the injury starts, you want to ignore it and you want to keep going because I've, I've got my target race. My Blue Ridge Relay is the real big thing. And all these guys re- rely on me. Yeah, no, for sure. So, yeah. No, it's funny you mentioned that about shoes. One of my, one of the first questions I always ask people when they talk to me about, okay, what shoes should I be wearing because I'm having this Achilles issue or because I'm having, you know, anterior tibialis tendonitis or I'm having issues with my hips or my knees or what happens to be. I'm like, all right, what shoes do you wear the other 20 hours of the day? Um, and and people are like, my Achilles is killing me and I can't understand these shoes are supposed to be so good for it. And I'm like, well, what do you wear the rest of the day? Why wear high heels? It's like, well, that's why your Achilles hurts. Um, that, that, that's, that's the reason why, why, why that your, your toes hurt. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the shoes that you wear the remainder of the day that you need to pay as much attention to as your actual running shoes there. As but, a side note, my um, recovery boots will be making a appearance at Blue Ridge. Your, 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 your recovery 100%. cowboy boots? My recovery cowboy boots. Right on, right on. As, as, will my, as will my new recovery dress shoes. So my, my old recovery dress shoes, of course, wore out and uh, much to my dismay and, and, and much to Michelle's dismay. Uh, but I was recently yeah. able to locate another pair. Uh, and I sent Michelle a picture of them and she said, those are pretty good looking shoes. I was like, they're not, um, they're $35 cheap leather pair of shoes that if you saw them in real life, you would understand that they are not a good looking pair of shoes, but they're doing okay. The but in the context of the picture and because it was a picture, I can't tell whether they're like Alfani or Payless. They are <laughs> neither. Um, okay. I just uh, want to know, does Eric wear Crocs at work? That's such a stupid question. No. <laughs> is, it, is it though? Oh, bummer. Do okay. you mean did he wear Crocs at work before? Because before is when he was Jeez. not dressing professionally, but now Jeez. he is he is but dressing he had for the to, job he but wants saying rather he, the job he has. But he's saying he I went have, back to Ooh, that I have was a pair of sketchers that are actually leather. And that's what you're wearing right now. I don't have them on right now because I just came back from a lunch meeting. But <laughs> where you wanted to dress to be the person that you want to be, but whatever george just said that sounded really good it's not going to sound good a second time so yeah. <laughs> when i get it. back to my office um i will slip back into my sketchers right got on. it good 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 michelle you've been watching the world championships or did you watch the world championships that came to an end over the weekend the world track and field championships yeah these nine day uh you know athletics events so to speak of continual track and field um this one wasn't as bad but it does does feel like it was a small job making sure if there was something that I wanted to see at like 4 a.m. I only actually woke up twice um, to watch. But then, you know, every day at like 1230, 130 mm-hmm. is the final at 255. It felt like I was trying to do the afternoon and especially with my kids coming home from school. Yeah, um, yeah it always feels like a bit of a job to keep up with it. Um, but I Cause thought because they were they were they were in Budapest. So six hours right. ahead. Right. And, and then usually they had finals in the evening, like 830 their time, which would be like 230 Eastern time here for us. So so, yeah, you definitely had to yeah. kind of take a chunk out and of your it, afternoon if you wanted to watch it, it live. Yeah. And it was a super conscious effort to like not open any Instagram mm-hmm. right. Right. Um, threads, Twitter, especially. And right. then if I saw text groups text from Michelle. People, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't spoil anything. Did I? You're right. I you did great. Nothing. I agree. Okay. You almost spoiled the men's marathon for me. Um, I was very careful. Good. Okay. I asked a question that basically you would only be able to answer if you had already watched it. And then once you didn't answer it, I knew to not ask another question or even there talk you about go. it. Very anyway, good. Um, 
But I thought it was great. And everything that I've heard from this is so positive, like in terms of athlete experience, logistics, location, beautiful city. I mean, track and field thrives in Europe. So you've got massive crowds, um, you know, and I think a lot of people felt before this that the best world's atmosphere was London in 2017. Um, But most people have said that this like far surpasses that. Um, Yeah, yeah. I feel like everyone just had a good time. It was a good meet. I mean, the weather was warm, but you knew that going in. And yeah, I don't know. It was good. It was it was fun to watch. Budapest is a great city. I've been to Budapest twice now. I've run around a whole lot there. I did a Facebook Live from there earlier this year, as a matter of fact. Um, I found myself, after spending so much time watching the World Championships, actually Googling the Budapest Marathon and thinking about when I might be able to fit that into my schedule sometime over the course of the next several years here. It's uh, mid-October, by the way. Um, I was going to ask. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, no, it's it's a great city. It's a super cool place. Um, and so I definitely got nostalgic for the t- two times that we've been there when uh, when they would show the overhead shots of the city. Literally, the overhead shots of the city were always of the place right where we stayed. And so you could see where we were located in the overhead shots. Cool. Um, yeah. Cool. It looked and beautiful. So, yeah, no, and it, yeah, and it's gorgeous and fantastic. The Danube River is 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 quite a sight to see there in Budapest. Um, what were your uh, what were your your favorite and least favorite moments? Let's talk about some of your favorite moments. Some of the things that really stood out to you that you liked. Sure, I feel like I uh, became sort of the antithesis of what we talk about a lot on this podcast, and a big fan of the throws and the sprints. <laughs> um, you know, I think if you haven't seen the women's. Um, like the mix four by four and then like the mm-hmm. women's four by four, mm-hmm. um, just the storyline of, you know, Femke bowl at the, the first, one of the first finals of the meet and she had the baton in her hands and it looks like the Netherlands and the mix was, four by four and mm-hmm. the mix four by four was going to, was going to be just like a, a clear winner. And she just stumbled to the track. She literally, you know, face planted a few meters before the finish line. Yeah. And then one of the last races at Worlds was um, the last the race. women's the last race was the women's four by four. And she anchored that and she took the baton in third place. And she, mm-hmm. you know, right at the line um, mm-hmm. came across and yeah. just watching her run that last hundred meters in lane two was absolutely thrilling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, whereas it's, you know, it's a great storyline, you know, for the U.S. in terms of the mixed and we won. Um, and then it's a horrible storyline for the women's because we were DQ'd. We weren't even in the final. I found myself not even caring about the United States mm. women in those events because I was so um, like enamored by just watching the Netherlands race that. Um, yeah. Just the general no, storyline I thought was fabulous. It was great. So, it was great. I, I texted you and Eric after that, after we were uh, uh, both watched it and said, I think that Michelle... <laughs> uh, came came to love the four by four or came to understand why the four by four is the best event in track and field um uh yeah no the four by four by 400 meter relay is fantastic it's brilliant and it's it's for precisely reasons like that without the context without the backstory um but somebody getting the baton 10 meters down 15 meters down and being able to close it and pass them that's that's commonplace in the four by four um, yeah. and, and it's always the last event and it's always super exciting to watch. A lot of times teams have like their championships or whether the team is going to win on the line there too. So in collegiate and high school races, uh, it, it oftentimes means a whole lot for the team as a whole, um, which is cool to watch as well. 
Um, so yeah, the four by fours were great. That was definitely, uh, one of my favorites. And then the USA men won the four by four. And so that was fun to watch for sure. Um, yeah, they, they, we they definitely had a, had strong... a relay momentum. This world's we mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. did great. Um, yeah, for sure. The, the American men and the American women both won the four by 100 meter relays, um, which was, was fun to watch. Um, I loved both four by 100 meter relays. Um, because both of them were basically just drag races in the last in the last 100 meters in the anchor leg and and there was no catch in Noah Lyles and there's no catch in Shikari Richardson uh, from the United States in either one of those and so those are both super fun to watch I as you know I'm obviously a much bigger fan of distance running than I am of sprinting but I actually really enjoyed watching Shikari uh, Richardson win the 100 meters Um, yeah I, I haven't been a huge fan of hers in the past um, but I do think that in a lot of ways, she, she approached the season a little bit more humbly, um, and, and she has been more successful. Um, and, and it was cool watching her cross the finish line and, and she was truly moved by winning. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like she, she, she was shocked by the fact that it happened, but it clearly meant a great deal to her. And you could see that it wasn't yeah. like she won and just thought, oh, well, of course I won because I'm the best and all of y'all suck. Like, like it really was a meaningful thing to her. And that, that was a cool moment, I thought. Yeah, I felt like Shakari ran with a level of gratitude um, mm-hmm. that we hadn't seen in her before. I mean, yeah. I think there's a lot of comparison between, you know, Shakari Richards and Noah Lyles and who's like the next bolt or whatever. But the difference, I think, between them, not to take away anything from Noah's performance, but Shikari is naturally a brilliant runner. Like, she's had this talent for years, but she's just had all these stumbling blocks to even get to the world stage. Like, this is her first global championship, and mm-hmm. she walked away with gold medals, right. <laughs> plural. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I think that watching her win that, especially... You know, the semi, she did not have a good semi. She got into the final on time. She ran from lane nine. And I actually think that her being out there in lane nine, it almost just felt like she zoned everything else out and ran her own race perfectly. I mean, she could not, I mean, I was, I think I said like, could we please not, do we have to wait till the last five meters? And you were like, that is the whole point of a hundred meter race. But, but like it's so yeah, you, you said you said, why couldn't she have won the race earlier? <laughs> yeah, like why are like, we why do we like, so uh, um yeah. yeah, so like I said, I'm not new to the sprints, but I definitely took a a deeper interest in them uh mm-hmm. this past meet. They were just all so good. There was they were just it was great. Um Safan Hassan, like she did in Tokyo, uh, decided to run the 1500, the 5000 and the 10,000 meters, which, by the way, she was doing as part of her preparation for the Chicago <laughs> Marathon in six weeks. Six weeks. Um, <laughs> um, but but that was kind of fun to watch as well. Now, she wasn't as successful as she was uh, in Tokyo. Um, she uh, fell down in the final meters of the uh, the the 10,000 meters, which happened to be literally only a few minutes before her countrywoman Femke Bowl fell down in the mix four by four. And so we started wondering there after Femke Bowl fell, whether there was something going on with the runway there uh, in the Netherlands in the last hundred meters. Um, but then she ended up getting a bronze in the 1500 and a silver in the 5,000 meters, both of which are behind Faith Kipiegan, who we can talk a little bit about as well. Um, what do you think about Safan Hassan's triple? First of all, who is Tim Roberry, her coach? Is he? He's American, isn't he? So I don't know. I would. That, that's the sort of thing I lean on I you mean, to know. 
So I like, if it's who I think it is, I think he's literally just a guy that coaches in Utah coaching the like best runner who I would, I would argue is probably in terms of a runner that has, you know, unmatched range from the mm-hmm. 800 meters oh, sure. to the marathon. For I don't sure. know that we've ever seen anybody like her. Like I would yeah. argue she's one of the best runners yeah. ever um, specifically because of that. Not to she just took, she just took two all the other medals, medals she has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she, she just took two global medals and she is still a favorite in Chicago in six weeks. Yeah. yeah and right. After exactly. having won London she's, in April. Yeah. She's basically shifted her focus or at least found enjoyment after the Olympic year um, in the marathon. So I, I say this with hesitation because I don't know how to say this like in a way that it's going to go over really well, but I sometimes feel like her approach to like tripling in these events is almost to undermine what it takes to actually be one of the best in the world at either the 1500 or the 5k or the 10k to say nothing of the marathon, just because she can run them all as a top runner in the world Mm -hmm. so i have a hard time not feeling like she's just like blah 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 whatever i'll just do this because i'm good at it um i feel like what what you're saying is that she needs to chase one rabbit at a time she needs to actually pick one of those and actually specialize in it no i actually don't think she needs to nor do i think she will i just think that if i look at the big picture of it it just kind of makes light of almost the work and the like athletic prowess of all the other people who might just be one place ahead or behind her yeah. because how can she just do it all so well? No, like, I agree. I think she, she's a brilliant and amazing athlete. I think, you know, and, you and I both read a, read a piece in an outside online about her that described her as the anti Kipchoge, which I thought was funny. Perfect. Um, yeah. That, the that Elliot Kipchoge of course runs two marathons a year, does no tune up races and you don't really see him until he shows up on the starting line of that race. And then of course he, he runs brilliantly. Whereas Safan Hassan runs six races in nine days, six weeks out from doing a world marathon major, which is her second one of the year. Like, and so, so it's, you, you can, you can hardly turn around without seeing Safan Hassan in a race. Um, I think that, that that's just kind of, it's, it's not, I, I want to say it's her brand, but, but it's more than that. I think it's just who she is as an athlete. It's what she wants to do. It's what keeps her motivated and keeps her going. And, and I feel like I have a lot more respect and understanding for that um, over the course of the past few years than I might've had in 2018, 2017, something else like that. And are you saying that because that's how you've, that's what you've become in part. Yeah. Um, I am, <laughs> um, uh, I'm saying it in part, just what w- one, one, because just as a coach, I've become more accepting and understanding of different people having goals that are different from my own. Um, um, but two, it's also because yeah, in, in 2020, I switched from being Kipchoge like to being Hassan like, <laughs> if you will, Seriously. in terms of in terms of my the races that I was doing, right? Um, and now I'm kind of a mix of both of them. Now I do half the year as Safan Hassan and half the year as Elliot Kipchoge. Like I haven't run a race since February, um, except for for uh, the Blue Ridge Relay that's coming up next week before Berlin. Um, and so instead of the Ragnar relay that you and I did together. Yes, but you did three marathons um, from January to February. Right. Right. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. And and two and two long trail races in December. Right. And so and lots of Zwift racing over that time as well. Right. I was racing a Zwift racing league that had races every Tuesday night. 
and then I've, I haven't done any of that over the course of the past several months. I've been much so 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 anyway. My point is that 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 I get why it is that different people, in order to be successful, need to approach it differently from one another, um, and that Kipchoge doing it the way he does does it, you know, only chase one rabbit at a time. That makes sense, and that's worthwhile. But the way that that Safan Hassan does it, chasing all the rabbits at the same time, that works for her, and that's cool too. Do you think, I I just wonder, why are people not trying to figure out how to beat her? She runs every single race almost the same. She stays at the back, waits till the final, Well, I think Faith Yegon did figure it out, right? So Faith figured it out, (laughs) fairly, but thankfully. But Assuming that she doesn't fall down in the last 50 meters... Right. Um, the, the, yeah, Faith Kipyegon certainly knows how, but Faith Kipyegon is also a brilliant, brilliant athlete. Um, you know, the first woman ever under 350, she wins the 1500, sets the world record for the 5,000 meters earlier this year, wins the 5,000. Yeah. Um, but, but Faith Kipyegon, I think it's a little limiting to say people aren't trying to figure out how to beat her. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, I, I, agree, says, I agree with Eric. Yeah. Yeah. But when that's, that's like saying, I can't figure out how to beat Elliot Kipchoge. Like, like I, I could figure it out, I guess, but that wouldn't make any difference. I still wouldn't be able to beat it. I could execute it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it's, 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 it's to me, it's not a matter of figuring it out. It's a matter of her being that much better of a runner. Um, and and because that. she has such incredible range, she can win in a variety of ways. But every race tends to play out the exact way that she wants it to play out. Is she like manufacturing that or is that just what's happening? We even saw that in the London marathon. Like she comes from just way, way, way behind. There has to be a point at which however far behind she is, she just cannot catch the front runners if they were out like far enough, so to speak. But she's also run just over 29 minutes for 10 K. And so if you want to run fast, she's there to run fast too. So, yeah. I mean, that's what makes the range just, it's right. it's hard it's hard right. to even believe that it's not like she ran slow in London. It. It's not like that was a tactical race. No, she ran two eighteen, right. right? So sure. anyway, Eric, we interrupted yeah. you a second ago. What were you about to say? Well, I was just kind of two points. One is I think it's cool the dichotomy between the two athletes, and it makes you wonder if Elliot spread out himself across other events, if that would improve him hmm. and his performance, or if Sifan focused would that improve her performance in that specific event but then it's it comes back to the mental and the physical maybe she needs the differentiation exactly and maybe he needs the focus just based on who you know who they are it it almost touches a little on the podcast that michelle and i listened to uh the rich roll podcast with uh brad Brad Stolberg. yeah and he was talking about having basically different buckets that you can operate in so that when if one's not going well, you can rely on the other ones to kind of keep your your balance, so to say. Mm-hmm. Now, Safan wins all this stuff and does well in all this stuff. So I, the, the analogy falls down a little bit there. But I feel like that's where I am as a runner. And I'd say an ultra athlete. I like the Zwift racing series. Mm-hmm. I like running a 5k once a year i like running a 10k once a year i like running the blue ridge relay i like running Mm -hmm. 50s i like you know i really enjoyed mountain mist and it's gonna be great when we all go back out there we're not doing that 
I, I enjoy that differentiation. I think mentally I need that. I didn't even hear that until Michelle pushed back on it. <laughs> okay. I don't let's not sideline. Let's not go down that path. It's no, there's no, a different path related to that that I want to go down here in a second. Okay, but, but no, I have I, to but say I, but, one but, more but, thing but about. But I think her. you're. I think you're right. Um, and I want to hear what Michelle has to say. But 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 I think you're right. And and for me, I found that I need to kind of do a hybrid of those. That I want to be a guy who runs a whole bunch of races and chases lots of rabbits. But then I still need to have that one big target race each year. This year it's Berlin. That that where I try and put all my eggs in one basket, and I try and watch what I eat like really, really, really a lot, and 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 I try and really run fast and compete well. Like I'm trying to kind of do both of those. Like spend half the year doing one and half the year doing the other right now. Let's okay. circle back around my, a few years. I'll let you know how it works. My final comment on um, Safan is that I think if you asked her at this point in her career, she would tell you guys that she is now post Olympics singularly focused on the marathon. She didn't have like the excitement or the mojo or the desire to really kind of go back to the track after Tokyo, right. but she found like, um, like a revitalization. I hope that's a word in mm -hmm. attempting to go for the marathon. So that's why, you know, if you, um, like she doesn't, she didn't, she fell like, right. She went from potentially winning the 10 K to like walking across the line in 11th, so to speak. And she was so chill in her post-race interview, like, mm -hmm. eh, whatever it is, you know what I mean? She, they, are you going to protest? No, like, you know, she didn't care. She went from that finish and did like a light track workout in order to keep her mileage up for Chicago. Right. So I think she enjoys all this other stuff, but I think she, I, I feel like her mentality right now is singularly focused on these marathons and she's just throwing this stuff in there because she can, which is what makes her athleticism like, you know, because she can boggling. So, so agreed. Yeah. <laughs> she can, and she wants to, as I think that the, the thing too, I think that, that if she were to just move up to altitude and train nonstop for 16 weeks, getting ready for a marathon, I think she'd get bored. She'd probably um, think, be really bored. I, yeah, I think she likes to race and I think she wants to do these sorts of things, which I, I, I appreciate that. I understand that. We'll have to see what she decides to do next year in Paris. It will be interesting whether she decides to run the marathon or the 5K, 1500, 10,000 triple or some combination thereof. <laughs> so <laughs> insanity. So, so yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Um, it should be, it should be fun to watch. One last thing I'll talk about from the, uh, the, the uh, world championships is that it seems as if Michelle, you have jumped on board the Jacob Ingbertson hater train. <laughs> what is up with that? I, <laughs> um, I'm still a fan. You know, he did not win the 1500. He was out kicked in the final stretch of the 1500. He got silver. Um, Josh Kerr from Great Britain beat him. Second time and in, in, in second year in a row that a British guy has won the world 1500 meter for men. Um, and Jacob Ingbertson has finished second. Um, and, uh, but then he did defend his world title in the 5,000 meters, um, by running a really strong race there. Um, but, but Michelle, you were, uh, you were not happy with his comments and his overall affect. It feels like. Okay. I would say a few things. One, he acted like a 21 year old douchebag when he lost, um, <laughs> to Jake and Eugene last year and sort of made it like, you know, this was, uh. Like I'm still the best and nobody can beat me, even though mm -hmm. he had just gotten beat mm -hmm. giving like no credit to Jake for the race that Jake ran. 
Mm-hmm. And this year in the 1500, he came in second to Josh and he basically said the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. well, he was the next person to win, like, or he's better than all the rest of them, but indicating that, you know, he wasn't really he, better than he, him, he, even he, though he, he just yeah. lost to him. Yeah. He, just he suggested that he suggested year. the reason why Josh Kerr won is not because Josh Kerr is a better runner, but because Jacob Ingridson had an off day. Okay. Yeah. Second thing yeah. is I think, I think Jacob's big talent is his, athleticism like in his endurance so I really don't think that I mean his biggest career goal like he said for years all he ever wanted was to win gold in the 1500 and he did that in the Olympics yeah I think he has a lot more potential in the 5k and honestly even the 10k he just defended a world title in the 5k so we know he's got that like as one of the world's best if not the world's best right now so I feel like do what you're good at and stop throwing shade to the other people who are beating you. What might just now be like your second best event. Mm. And the third thing is just, I think you can come into worlds and you can have a good day or you can have a bad day and you could still show like sportsmanship. Right. I understand it takes a level of maturity and this and that. And I just don't think he has it. I just, I, 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 I don't like his attitude towards, you know, both his countrymen and just all the other runners at large. Like, mm-hmm. I think some people are, quote, good for the sport, mm-hmm. um, even if they don't have a storyline. I don't think he's good for the sport. Mm-hmm. I don't. I just, you know, I don't know. So, Eric, yeah, maybe I joined the hate train. <laughs> Eric, what do you think? So, I am not a fan of conceited athletes. Never have been. I'm a huge Scott Jurek fan, right? Just the way he approaches the sport and the way he... We'll sit at the finish line and wait for the last person to finish. He might still have some of that bravado. But I do think, going back to our conversations a minute ago, there's a mental and a physical aspect to performance. And for some people to perform at that level, that's the mindset they have to have. Mm-hmm. They, oh, or sure. at least they believe they have to have that mindset. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't lose today because he's better. I lost today because I wasn't at top form mm-hmm. and that's just so i i don't appreciate it i do accept it as a possible piece of their performance mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a good point you know it's it's funny like as you're talking about it i, I have to think a little bit more about how to articulate this well i i don't mind swagger i don't it's um, not swagger though yeah and and but 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 there is something potentially negative about about cockiness or or conceit or something else like that right and 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 so so i understand what eric's saying um i don't i don't think that that athletes have to be totally humble they don't have to 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 just be like well you know i I, i'm so fortunate that i was able to beat everybody today no you did that because you're strong and you're tough and you trained really hard and it's okay to have some swagger about that um when noah Isles was being interviewed after he won the hundred he actually said, hey, Otto Bolden, who do you think was going to win this race? And I thought that was hilarious. And I thought it was great. Um, and, and Otto Bolden, to his credit, was like, you're right, man. I, I didn't think you were going to be able to get your start right. And you did. Congratulations. You're the world champion. Um, you know, at the, at the very end of the meet, uh, Noah Lyles caught a lot of flack because he was saying that that um, that world champions in track and field are true world champions, whereas world champions in the NBA who call themselves world champions are just world champions of the United States. 
um, which by the way, I'm inclined to agree with as well. Um, but, but same goes for American football. So, and American baseball. Um, and so I, I, I don't, I, I didn't, nothing Noah Lyle said bothered me. Like, like there was something that, that his swagger was okay. Like something about that made that okay. But something about, about some of the conceit of, of Jacob Ingridson, I'm not going to take up for him because I understand what you're saying. And I can, I can appreciate that that's off-putting. I think um, some of that's cultural too. Mm-hmm. I think so. I'm I mean, sure. I will say that just a little bit in his defense, he's got to be going through, you know, of all yeah. the years that him and his brothers and they're coached by their father and it's a family yeah. thing. And and what we know now, he's basically estranged from his father. Uh, his father had a hard time even getting credentials to be at world, but he also almost got beat at the line by another, you know, teenage like prodigy, same country being coached by his father. Like, yeah, there's probably a lot of stuff going on and yeah and, and, he's, and he's just 22 like he's yeah, essentially he's, still a kid you're right and jacob is um jacob is a reality show star in the nor in norway as well and so it's not like he's he's just has his one little niche which is track and only a minority of people know him he is like a rock star in yeah. norway um, and, and he certainly feels the pressure, you know, the, an article that you and I read, Michelle suggested that he's probably feeling a lot of performance pressure these days because he's done so much and people expect him to win every single race. And, and when he wins rather than like celebrating, it's almost like a relief. Um, and his that's a difficult place to be in. Yeah. Is currently being coached by his father. Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty, I'm sure. Yeah. There's yeah. probably Shall a lot just... more that we don't know. Michelle, you just said something that I think ruined my day. I'm going to see if anything <laughs> worse happens during the day. But I just realized that Jacob is the same age as two of my kids. Um, is he going to cry? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. And I I actually, um, I said at the beginning of the podcast, they're baby adults. And that's, I think that's something that we're seeing here. Like, I can't imagine the pressure of that yeah and how and how you put up walls to deal with that and one of those walls might be i'm the best Mm -hmm. and i heard somebody recently talking and they actually had a term for it and i can't remember what it was um but talking about how much you grow up in your mid-20s um and and i had never knew that that was like a a more universal thing but i can certainly attest that for myself i grew up a lot in my mid-20s i often oh yeah you stop physically growing and you finally start mentally growing yeah imagine that right i mean eric you and i have known each other for a long time we've known each other since since we were in high school but i i always give a pass to anybody that didn't like me before the age of 23 like if, if anybody's like, yeah, I thought you were a jerk back then. I'm like, yeah, I probably was. I'm sorry. Like I, I, I'm, I, I'm not going to defend my actions from before I was 23 years old. And and this guy, like you said, is 22. I just fact checked that as a matter of fact. He's currently still 22 years old. You didn't believe um, me that he was 22? So I thought he might be 23, but no, he's still 22. Yeah. Are there okay. people that don't think you're a jerk now? So. <laughs> Very few. All of them are currently on the podcast. <laughs> and 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 for, for the two of you, it's only maybe 80% of the time. <laughs> I think I I definitely push the limit on that one. So. Um, when when well, do I get to be older than 23? <laughs> yeah. mm. um, so so well, 
On that, so you mentioned this just a couple minutes ago, Eric. I want to circle back to something here. And so you and I, of course, have the the Blue Ridge Relay next weekend. We start on Friday, September 8th, as we talked about a whole lot last weekend in the little preview episode that we did. We'll finish on Saturday. Sunday is September 10th. At noon on September 10th um, is when registration opens for the Peyton's Wild and Wacky 10 by 5K that, Eric, I know you were doing next year. And that I'm planning on doing next year. Michelle, you are? Are you going to sign up for that next year? Does that get me out of Mount Mitchell? Mount, yes. Because Mount Mitchell is the same day uh, that you and I are both running the Atlanta half marathon and marathon relay. You know, I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. I forgot about that. So, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so spirited. But, oh. It's a great wait. race. It's um, in March. It's in March. It's mid-March. Yes. It just uh, requires checking a Jewish holiday calendar and three school calendars. Mm. But if it got me out of Mount Mitchell, then um, <laughs> I wonder, I didn't I pay for it last year and I didn't do it? I think something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, don't I think know. if, you, if you've already look. paid for it once, you should pay, you could pay for it again. And I think you should plan to do it. Check your calendar, <laughs> Michelle, because I think that that would be a fun race for us to do as a podcast focus race next year. We've been talking about different races that we could potentially do. I think you should check your calendar for that. That'd be fun. I can only handle like one podcast race. So you guys like. <laughs> and this is the one March 2024 Peyton's Wild and Wacky 10 by 5K in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. It'll sell out. Okay. But you're yeah. running it as individuals or like as a team? I'm running as an individual. Eric, I think, is still TBD. I'm glad you guys have this all figured out and let me know. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the notice. <laughs> we did. We did. We kind of set you up on that one. I apologize for that. Um, uh, TBD on running it. Eric will be there. Eric will be running. The question is, Eric and his wife are teaming up as a um, as a relay and going against some younger individuals that I might call baby adults. Eric, when do you think you're going to figure out whether you're running it as a relay or running it as an individual? I guess you got to figure out like in the next week, since that's when the signups are going to be, right? For the signups at noon on the 10th. Yeah, very good. <laughs> and for what it's worth, as we're speaking about races in the future here, uh, September 11th, the following day, the Monday after the Blue Ridge Relay is when registration for the Boston Marathon opens. Um, and so I will finish the, the Blue Ridge Relay and then... Twice over the next two days, I will register for races, <laughs> uh, getting ready for 2024. So, yeah, um, like I said, I, I tend to have half the year where I'm chasing one rabbit and half the year where I'm chasing lots of rabbits. So, Michelle, I think we're about out of time here, but I do want to mention our book of the quarter. Um, and that is, of course, The Race That Changed Running, The Inside Story of UTMB by Doug Meyer. Um, and and alas, we ran out of time before we were able to talk about UTMB, um, which is too bad. It's coming up this weekend, Michelle? Um, I mean, it's a series of races, so it already right. started earlier this week. Um, mm -hmm. Some of the longer and shorter races, really. But yeah, it's been definitely uh, interesting. Low... Uh, the snow is is pretty low. Um, they've definitely had to make some big course reroutes, mm -hmm. and it just looks like gnarly and cold and wet and muddy. Um, hoping that the weather kind of turns around maybe a bit for OCC and CCC right and UTMB, right but we'll see. Yeah, through the weekend. So 
I have running. a friend that's doing <laughs> I have a friend that's doing the CCC on Friday. And of course yeah. he's been over there all week and has been sending various photos from different experiences he's having along the way. So very cool. Yeah. Very cool. It's really hard to be a, a sports fan when you go from worlds and then gymnastics nationals, which Simone Biles came back to was Sunday night and then we won right a national into championship. To yeah, say nothing right. of the Vuelta a España, which also started over the weekend and started in wild and wacky ways, of course. And so, and then the the half Ironman or the Ironman seventy point yeah. three World Championships. And now none weekend. of those people have their bikes. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. this is like exciting. Um, it's it, it's it's fun to to, get to watch all these various endurance sports like before it. college football season kicks off and ends up oh, sucking gosh. all the oxygen out of the room. We're so. such big <laughs> college football fans. Yeah, I was gonna say we're such a. <laughs> We're huge college football fans here. So, so, right on. Um, Michelle, thanks for being with us. Yeah, it was fun. Have a good afternoon, guys. Eric, T-minus eight days till I see you in person, buddy. Cowboy boots and foam rollers. There you go. There you go. Uh, can't wait. Sounds like the name of a book. Maybe I should write that book. Cowboy boots and foam rollers. There we go. The One inside man's story for how to keep his Achilles don't, from exploding. Don't be offended <laughs> the, if we the don't choose story to. of the GT Milk of the and Cookie course. Boys at the Blue Ridge Relay. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast, on Twitter at pleasant podcast, on Instagram at most pleasant exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. Be sure to share us with your friends. We're brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com. Their Twitter is at itlcoaching, and their Facebook group is facebook.com slash itlcoachingandperformance. You can find them on Instagram at itlcoaching. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com, on Instagram at elementalaltitude, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash elementalaltitude. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram at bluepineappletravel. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at highechelloncpa.com. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.